Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Frost & Sullivan's latest webinar. Today's event is titled, The 2019 Global Economic Outlook. My name is Anna, and I oversee Frost & Sullivan's Growth, Innovation, and Leadership Briefings. Our presenters today are Arup Zushi, Global President and Managing Partner, Craig Parker, Research Director, and Niha Anna Thomas, Senior Economist here at Frost & Sullivan. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Roop. Thank you, Anna. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. First, I'd like to wish everyone a very happy new year, and I want to thank you for taking the time to be part of our session today. Uh, it's a very, very interesting session. It's being uh, developed by our entire team, and of course, I'm taking the opportunity and the liberty to present it on their behalf. So let me uh, go to the next slide and give a little bit of a preview of what you will be seeing in today's presentation. Uh, but before we talk about 2019, I think it's very important to kind of quickly recap what 2018 looked like at the beginning and how did we finish 2018, because many things that we saw in 2018 uh, will actually uh, flow into 2019 with some positive impact and obviously some negative impact, thereby uh, potentially derailing the overall economic growth worldwide. So as, as many of you know, when we started 2018, we were significantly more optimistic. We were expecting uh, the GDP growth rate worldwide to be a lot more higher than what we finally ended up seeing. And uh, we know many things that happened in the last 12 months uh, that actually created the the economic tensions between various regions of the world, between specific countries in the world. I think last not but the least, uh, major changes in the monetary policy also had an impact on the overall economic performance, including, of course, the oil prices that also changed uh, over the last uh, 12 months. I think the trade war between China and the United States, two of the largest economies in the world, uh, was quite significant. It derailed, it slowed down, and had significant impact, not just between the two countries, but there was a trickle effect that went to other parts of the world as well. And what we also saw in the U.S., for example, for uh, rate hikes, and when, whenever you have rate hikes, uh, it just derails the market overall. We've seen uh, a lot of pressure in, in the market, especially in the European side with Brexit, uh, with deals trying to be worked out between the UK and the European Union. And obviously many things uh, are still up in the air and that remained sig significantly up in the air in 2018, which also had uh, a bit of a negative impact on, on the market. We also saw the oil prices uh, drop, sorry, the oil prices increased from $54 per barrel to almost $71 per barrel, and that also had some impact, and of course the U.S. sanctions on Iran also had some significant impact. So what we saw when we started the year and what we saw towards the end of the year were two different stories, and that's why we had a, a much softer GDP compared to what we had initially estimated. And the final numbers are still uh, being, being reconciled, but we see it around 3.7% in 2018. And, uh, and, and the impact of that will certainly be felt in 2019, which we'll cover in a second. So Anna, would you mind going to the next slide, please? So what we are going to see in 2019, unfortunately, is a slightly weakened system. We are going to see a GDP growth slightly less than what we saw in 2018, probably in the 3.5% rate. And uh, what we are also going to see is that if this trade war continues, uh, which hopefully gets settled, uh, we may see the potential GDP drop even more, uh, because there are many other factors that are likely to pull back this GDP performance, uh, not just in between US and China, but also in Europe with the UK and the European Union for the Brexit, and of course in other parts of the world, like Latin America, where we are seeing some, some uh, shifts uh, both on the, on the economic side as well as on the political side. And I think those things will also have an impact 
on the on the overall performance of uh, countries within that region as well. We, um, from an oil standpoint, we do believe that the price of the barrel will settle somewhere in the 60 to 61 dollar range, and the oil supply will more or less be balanced. So there is no major risk because of oil supply, but certainly we do see that the OPEC will 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 not necessarily carry through the production co uh, production costs that, that that they have seen in the past. So all in all, as a as a summary, I will say that the prediction for 2019 is a a softer GDP growth, and so we have to be prepared for a slowdown overall in the economy. Uh, Anna, next slide, please. If, uh, if you look at some of the key elements, I touched on this very early, uh, the UK-EU trade uh, uh, system that needs to come into place, I think that has to be ratified before March 29th. If that happens, we do see uh, some significant uh, movement. The business will be as, as usual, but if that doesn't rec uh, ratify, we do see some major upheavals in that part of the world. When you look at Latin America, for example, and this is true for all the emerging markets, with the rate hikes in, rate hikes in the U.S., we saw currencies across all the emerging markets drop, including countries like Argentina, Turkey, India. These are big economies, and all of them saw drop in their, their borrowing ability as well as in their currencies. And so that certainly destabilized the market to some extent. Obviously, there's political turmoil. This happens in every part of the world, but we saw some major political issues that, that have emerged in 2018, some of which are continuing in 2019. The effects of the 2018 will be felt in 2019. One is, of course, the Saudi uh, killing of the journalist, uh, the involvement of uh, and the changes in, in Venezuela, for example. Uh, even a country like India faces a risk of a potential change in government. It is possible there could be a weak coalition government. And, of course, uh, the mother of all political turmoils is the U.S. government shutdown, which definitely had a slowdown in uh, a negative impact on the marketplace, uh, in, in, as we saw in the last uh, few weeks. Anna, next slide, please. So very quickly, if you look at regionally, and we'll take a much deeper dive uh, with my colleagues uh, very shortly, in North America, we will see uh, the general slowdown happening. We will see some inter intensified trade wars that U.S. will potentially have with not just China, but with other parts of the world as well. We will see, hopefully, rates steady now that we have Fed saying that they will probably not increase. So we will see some stability happening, and this will be very important to make sure that the economy doesn't dip further in North America. In Latin America, we see uneven growth. Uh, we see countries like Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico seeing growth, but we do see uh, slowdown in economies like Venezuela and Argentina. So it will be a mixed bag, but this is something that we'll have to be prepared to deal with in Latin America. Africa is definitely the bright spot, and you will see great momentum continuing into Africa uh, across the world, across the region, though I do believe uh, that uh, the upcoming economic, uh, the upcoming elections in a country like Nigeria will be something that we have to be watching out for, and that can potentially derail a bit of uh, economic activity in Africa. But all in all, Africa is certainly the bright spot uh, for 2019. Let's go to the next slide, Anna. As you look at some of the other parts of the world, uh, Europe, we will see a mixed bag. We'll see Germany and France holding steady, but we definitely see a growth slowdown that is happening in Italy, UK, and, of course, Russia. Brexit will play a very, very important role. If we have a good Brexit, if everything gets settled, we do see some good movements in the UK economy. Otherwise, we do see further slowdown in that part of the world as well. As far as Middle East is concerned, I think there is a general slowdown that we are going to experience in 2019. Uh, the VAT system has been introduced. That has made it simple, but cost of goods has certainly gone up in that part of the world, which is exactly one of the key benefits that businesses had in the Middle East. But we're going to see the impact of VAT coming up very shortly. But the government recognizes it, and the government is spending a lot of money in infrastructure and other projects to make sure that the businesses don't suffer. 
Asia Pac, which we all know now is a very, very important part of global economy as a region, with two major countries like India and China. But we are going to see slowdown in China. We won't see the big growth like we used to see in the past. At the same time, the, the quantum of growth you will see in China will still be quite substantial because a 5-6% growth in China is much larger than growth in many other countries. Uh, we will see uh, strong growth in India. I think their, their fiscal and monetary policies are quite stable. We saw some negative impact because of demonetization, etc. But I think those are now behind us, so we'll see some good movement in that part of the world. And we do believe that uh, Chinese government will put a lot more emphasis on infrastructure, so that will hopefully offset some of the general slowdown that we will see. So that's a quick overview of what I see in 2019, but uh, obviously it's always a mixed bag and, and you'll, you'll get some more insight as we go along this presentation. Thank you, Anna. Over to you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Thank you, Arup, for the insights. And over the next couple of slides, we will be covering some of the key global economic trends that we're seeing in greater detail. If we could move over to the next slide. Great. Um, so these slides will help you better understand our scenario-based uh, modeling approach and give you a little more information into the data through, a ch through the charts and uh, the trend lines that you will see. So we've taken a scenario-based, uh, this slide obviously gives you insights into the global GDP growth outlook, and we've taken a scenario-based approach based on trade wars. There are obviously various scenarios that could play out. And you may ask why trade wars? There are various scenarios that we could also see happening with respect to factors such as interest rates or oil prices. We see that uh, the global economic outlook really hinges to a very large extent on trade wars. Why is this? It's not only affecting countries such as U.S. and China directly, it's affecting export powerhouses such as Japan and Germany, and it's, of course, affecting other markets that are supplying to these countries. So the entire world really seems to have come under pressure from trade wars, which is why we have developed scenario-based projections for GDP growth and trade. So the chart that you see on the left-hand side of this slide provides GDP growth analysis based on our baseline assumption that is a continuation scenario. So what this scenario essentially means is that additional tariffs from 2018 will continue as is in 2019. Now this particular scenario plays out, we're expecting world GDP growth like Arup mentioned to slow down from 3.7% in 2018 to 35 in 2019. So businesses essentially have to brace for a period of slowdown in 2019. Now moving on to the other scenarios, there's of course the intensification scenario or the escalation scenario that we're all hearing about in the news. So what this particular scenario means is that it, we expect growth to slow down to 3.3% or lesser even. It really depends on what plays out, whether the U U.S. imposes additional tariffs on Chinese imports that are not covered as yet, whether it raises the level of additional tariffs, or whether, uh, for example, 25% automotive import tariffs come into play. So it really depends on whether it's a combination or the imposition of all A, B, and C factors. So growth could slow down to 3.3% or even lesser. And the last one, of course, is the conclusion scenario, that is, the removal of all additional tariffs and refrain from new additional tariffs. But even under this scenario, we're expecting growth to slow down to 3.6%, to, to, to the reason being that even if tariffs are removed, we're not expecting to see this until March uh, 2019 or later, the reason being that the U.S. and China obviously are in the midst of a truce, so it's only from March first of 2019 that we can potentially expect a change in the trade war situation. Moving on to the next slide. 
So the next slide gives you an explanation, a scenario-based approach to the trade outlook. Again, you have trade growth under the scenarios uh, approach, and we're expecting under a continued scenario for trade growth to slow down to 3.2%. The graph, of course, offers evidence as to how global trade growth has already been slowing. Now, in terms of the impact of the trade wars, uh, taking the case of the U.S. economy, for example, there have been positive and negative effects. On the positive side, for example, there have been there has been evidence of how uh, higher import tariffs have helped the resurgence of local manufacturing to an extent. But on the flip side, we are seeing that businesses and consumers are having to uh, deal with the effects of a lot of these higher tariffs. And in terms of mitigation strategies for these trade wars, we're seeing that businesses are trying to deal with these higher import tariffs by either passing the cost to the consumers, even pursuing layoffs or relocating production. But at the same time, for example, when uh, there's a slowdown being witnessed in China, what we're seeing is growth opportunities being created across economies such as uh, Vietnam and Thailand. A lot of investors are renewing their focus into these countries given that, uh, given that China is heavily coming under tariffs. So while there are negative effects happening, some growth opportunities being created as well. Let's move on to the next slide which delves into our oil price analysis into greater detail. So if you turn your attention to the chart, you will see that oil prices picked up from about, uh, Brent crude oil prices picked up from about $54 per barrel to $71 per barrel in 2018, which is quite a large jump. So these are annual average prices. And through most of 2018, oil prices uh, rose Barring Q4 2018, of course, in Q4 of 2018, what we saw was a little bit of a reversal because of higher production from countries such as U.S. and Russia and the extension of Iran sanction waivers. So in Q4, uh, mostly in December of 2018, we saw oil prices moving down to about the $60 mark. And the outlook for 2019 is that of almost balanced demand and supply because of which we expect 2019 oil prices to sort of hover at the $60 mark range. Now, why are we expecting uh, uh, balanced demand and supply? On the demand side, if you look at it, uh, demand growth, of course, is expected to undergo some slowdown, obviously in the light of uh, the world economic slowdown. And on the supply side, we're seeing OPEC production cuts that are actually happening. And then there's higher US production that's happening. So uh, overall, the picture is for a balanced uh, one. It, of course, if the OPEC doesn't go through with the production cuts as announced, we could expect a much sharper uh, decline in oil prices in 2019. Um, Moving on to the next slide, so, so for the next section, Craig and I will be covering the 2019 Regional Economic Outlook Analysis for six key regions, uh, providing you insight into GDP growth trends and key economic developments and their impact. And I will be starting with uh, North America on the next slide. If we could move to the next slide, please, for U.S. and Canada. Right. Uh, so the U.S., this particular slide uh, shows you an analysis of the GDP growth. So for each country, you have uh, bar charts or data for their 2017, 2018, and 2019 GDP growth rates. So we're largely expecting to see a growth decline for both the economies in 2019. U.S., in fact, recorded a very strong year of growth in 2018 in the light of factors such as tax cuts acting as a stimulus to the economy. Moving over into 2019, of course, higher tariffs are expected to bite into the economic growth, and interest rates are expected to be higher. As Arup had mentioned, we don't expect to see rate hikes, but they're still higher compared to the last couple of years. And, of course, this effect from the fiscal, fiscal stimulus fades away. 
And even with respect to Canada, interest rates again are expected to be a growth restraint. And we're also expecting to see somewhat a slowdown in the country's key housing market in the light of these higher interest rates and a new mortgage stress test. Our next slide uh, analyzes the key economic developments and the impact of the same for the US. Uh, so for each of the sections at the bottom, you'll sort of see a call-out box for the overall impact in terms of whether it's positive or negative, indicated by the different colors. So for the North American region, the major economic, the first major economic development, of course, is that of NAFTA or the North American Free Trade Agreement, which is now being called the USCMA trade deal that's been renegotiated. So a couple of months back, uh, the deal was in fact finalized and uh, signed between the three member countries, US, Mexico, and Canada, which came as a huge sigh of relief uh, for investors and businesses across these regions because that gives the certainty that uh, their supply chains stay in intact. But there's still one major process pending. Ratification of this particular trade deal is pending and it's expected to happen in H2 of 2019. So if this is ratified, all well and good, we expect to see a resurgence of manufacturing in North America. If it's not ratified, and of course the U.S. pulls out of the NAFTA by that time, a lot of uncertainty for the region. Trade wars, of course, like I already mentioned, are sort of biting in the into the economic growth uh, with business activity slowing down. And with respect to U.S. Fed rate hikes, obviously these are very important because U.S. Fed rate hikes are normally followed by rate hikes across the rest of the world, which we saw in 2018. So a couple of weeks back, our projection was that of two interest rate hikes with the Fed expected to continue its monetary tightening cycle. But now with uh, sluggish inflation data and the possibility of an other government shutdown that could possibly bite into the U.S. economy, and of course the impact of trade wars, we're expecting rates to sort of be held steady in 2019. So we don't expect to see too much upward pressure on you know, your loan rates for businesses in 2019. With that, we come to the end of the North America analysis. I will now hand it over to Craig. Thank you, Naya. Um, yes, uh, firstly, we'll look at um, Latin America and uh, look at uh, the two larger economies. Uh, we see that in 2018, Brazil made uh, a mild recovery, expanding by 1.5% from the 1% in 2017. Uh, the uptick in growth was supported by consumption and increased fixed investment, uh, but there were challenges, however, uh, with higher than expected unemployment and output gaps, gaps in the economy. Uh, now, if we move uh, forward, we see that the new president, uh, Bolsonaro, has an uphill battle to place Brazil on a steady growth path. Uh, but he's put together a well-respected team to improve the uh, fiscal state of the economy um, because not only is the government debt high, but households are also under growing pressure uh, with increased uh, debt servicing costs uh, in, in the economy. Uh, but with the right measures and positive sentiment increasing in the first half of 2019, we do see that GDP growth will be increasing to 2% in the coming year. For Mexico, uh, 2018 was an interesting year, having uh, to weather the uncertainty around trade negotiations with the U.S. and, and Canada. Uh, but despite the uncertainty, GDP grew by 2.1% in 2018, uh, which was slightly higher than the 2% in 2017. Uh, the tariff restrictions, uh, however, did result in some exchange rate volatility, uh, but through the reductions in trade uh, and limiting investor uncertainty. Looking forward, the government will have to limit public expenditure due to the high sovereign debt. And the new president has uh, already done so. Uh, one example is uh, he canceled the 13 billion airport project uh, that was going to start. So for 2019, we see the growth expectations increase slightly to about 2.2%, and this is mainly due to stronger household expenditure. Um, however, there are obviously downside risks uh, with trade uncertainty that will remain. Uh, so if we move to the next slide. We see that uh, Colombia's growth remains as a top performer in Latin America with 2.5% uh, in 2018, uh, which is actually expected to strengthen even further to 3% in 2019. Uh, the, the oil prices served to stabilize the currency uh, in 2018, and into 2019 we do expect uh, more investment into the mining sector, 
should uh, improve growth. Uh, if we move to Argentina, we see that they witnessed uh, a very challenging 2018 with a sharp devaluation of the currency. Uh, the strengthening of the dollar and the inability of the Argentinian government to control inflationary pressure resulted in uh, low investor confidence. We also saw that severe weather impacted the agricultural sector, and this placed even more pressure on GDP growth. Looking forward to 2019, we expect that conditions will improve uh, with new austerity measures and the IMF approving its revised agreement to assist the government. So if you look at the next slide. Uh, so far for Latin America, we've looked at the good, we've looked at the bad, and now we turn to Venezuela. For years, uh, mismanagement and a sole reliance on oil and lack of diversification with sanctions have resulted in the economy contracting by 30% from 2013 to 2017, and also a further 18% in 2018. The uh, current turmoil with uh, Maduro fighting to stay in power and with uh, 19 European nations recognizing Guaido as interim president has also further worsened the economic outlook for recovery in 2019. Hyperinflation is unfortunately uh, expected and will remain the greatest threat to the economy in the next year, uh, with the inflation expectations reaching 10 million percent in the second half of 2019. Uh, so now we're going to explore some of the broader economic developments taking place in Latin America in the next slide. In 2018, Brazil updated its policy on the special regime for industrialization of goods destined for exploration, development, and production of oil, natural gas, and other hydrocarbons. This is known as Repetrosped. Revised policy attempts uh, and exempts taxes on raw materials used for domestic production on oil, natural gas, and fluid. Uh, it is also exempted and eliminated tax on the local sales of finished products. Uh, in July 2018, Brazil's oil exports actually reached an all-time high of 8.1 million tons, and with a revised policy, we can expect this number to actually further increase in 2019. On the negative side, uh, the turmoil in Argentina, um, you know, one of the largest economies in the region, is uh, highly worrisome, and uh, while most of the emerging market currencies suffered in 2018, the Argentinian peso fell by a whopping 53% against the U.S. dollar, and um, Argentina has now become the world's second riskiest uh, sovereign borrower. Uh, so when we look at that, we can see this might have a ripple effect uh, on the region uh, as the slowdown might continue. Okay. With the, we can move to the next slide. Now we move to the Africa region. So we move across the Atlantic, and we first look at Tanzania. Growth slowed in 2018 uh, from that in 2017, but it was still quite significant at 6%. One of the key factors that contributed to this decrease was the drop in copper prices, which is obviously one of Tanzania's key exports. If we move forward to 2019, Tanzania is likely to register a strong growth of 6.6%, and this will mainly be driven by government investment and expenditure. The higher expectations of copper and commodity prices in 2019 uh, could further support this growth. In 2018, the government had reduced corporate income tax from 30 to 20%, and this uh, effect is uh, likely to impact and ripple over into 2019 uh, with increases in investment and expansion of the manufacturing sector. Looking at Kenya, we see the growth momentum uh, supported by the expected con uh, continuity of the remittance inflow. And we also see a turn in, uh, which would obviously fuel domestic consumption demand. So monetary policy uh, is stability will keep inflation at around 5.5%. And fiscal consolidation is expected to continue into 2019, and this should boost investor confidence quite nicely. On the restraint side, uh, Kenya implemented a levy of 8% VAT on fuel, and this could likely uh, you know, increase uh, the burden on consumers. And they're also likely to increase taxes in 2019 to boost government revenue. This could have a negative uh, impact on, on consumption uh, demand. We also have to obviously recognize the continued uh, threat of terrorist attacks in the country, and this might also have uh, you know, a negative impact on tourism and business travel, which is a good uh, proportion of their GDP. So moving to the next slide. See South Africa. Um, we expect the country to continue to be hampered by slow growth. In 2018, the country grew at a slower pace of 0.8 compared to the 1.3 in 2017. 
uh, most of these factors being uh, attributed to the contraction in agricultural and industrial sectors as well as uh, you know hampered uh, investment spend. The country is marked with high unemployment and a lot of muted growth in private consumption. And this is mainly due to supply-driven inflationary pressure and significant currency depreciation. Uh, things look slightly better for South Africa in 2019 as the government uh, economic stimulus, stimulus packages has uplifted the business sentiment and it is expected to stimulate higher investment. Um, the growing automotive exports are also expected to support uh, the manufacturing sector in general. Now, on the downside, as in the case of most African countries, South Africa is also witnessing growing government debt, which is used to finance budget uh, deficits. And given the rising cost of servicing this debt, this could push uh, inflation a little bit higher in the country. If we look at Nigeria, we see a recovery remaining very slow uh, because it's highly linked uh, to the oil price. Much of the services and manufacturing sectors in the country are restrained by uh, inadequate infrastructure and bottlenecks, uh, so the overall non-oil sector growth will remain subdued. Nigeria's government is either planning to increase uh, you know, government spending on infrastructure, which uh, could contribute to growth in 2019. Unfortunately, this all hangs in the balance uh, due to elections that have been mentioned earlier, uh, so Nigeria is also vulnerable to the U.S.-China trade war. Uh, and also, you know, obviously looking at the elections coming uh, in, the, in the middle of the year. Now, if we go to the next slide, <clears throat> we just delve into some of the key economic developments that could impact uh, Africa. Uh, we see that Africa continues to make positive progress towards the adoption of the African Continental Free Trade Area, uh, which is expected to be ratified by the end of January 2019 by 40 signatories. Interesting uh, point here is that if the deal gets ratified, the free trade area will be activated within a month. Now, this will position Africa as a single regional bloc in the glo global trade arena. Africa then stands to gain from increases in intra-Africa trade while also attracting foreign investments. We must, however, uh, you know, issue a note of caution uh, as the increases in trade uh, will not happen overnight. Uh, there are obviously logistical challenges, infrastructure constraints, bottlenecks, and other challenges across the border that will continue to impact and hamper trade in, in the real world. If we look at the debt crisis, as we mentioned earlier, for African countries, uh, they've, they've been trapped uh, in, in this crisis, and countries such as Cameroon, Ghana, Ethiopia, and Zambia are heavily indebted to, to China, for instance, and an estimated 14% of Africa's debt is owed to China. If the current trend of high capital outflow from emerging markets continues in 2019, uh, then African countries may be at risk of currency depreciation. Uh, the ramification of this is obviously um, higher cost of servicing foreign debt, uh, which obviously is a vicious circle. This would entail higher taxes and upward inflationary pressure in the region and the impact on consumers. Debt and repayment agreements uh, do continue to be a factor that weakens uh, Africa's fiscal outlook. We move to the next slide, uh, Middle East. So if we look at the Middle East region, uh, we see that growth uh, remains precarious uh, you know, in, in the outlook for 2019 due to the volatility of, of oil on the one hand and the intensified geopolitical tensions in the region on the other. So if we look at uh, the Saudi Arabia economy, uh, we see that the, um, they've only reported moderate growth of 1.8% in 2019, and this was primarily supported by steady rises in the non-oil activities uh, in, in the economy and the kingdom's privatization efforts. A part of the growth uh, could likely get nullified by the oil output cut, though, uh, as this was agreed by OPEC. Amongst the constructive efforts of privatization, Saudi Arabia is optimistic about their program and aims to generate as much as $11 billion in non-oil revenue by 2020, even if uh, the recent Aramco's privatization plan uh, is delayed. For Iran, the outlook remains uh, quite somber as the economy stands uh, to face recession this year. The U.S.'s reimposition of sanctions is dragging the country into recession, and the Iranian currency hovering at about 100,000 uh, to the dollar in 2019. Uh, this is due to deep recession and obviously slow trade. Uh, oil production will fall by about a million uh, barrels uh, a day to 2.8 million in 2019 compared to the 2017 uh, levels. And oil exports will also slide to only 1.2 million barrels a day in 2019, from 2017's average of 2.5 million. 
if you look at the next slide, Qatar is a schedule, well, it secluded itself from OPEC in January 2019, uh, and the country being a gas export-driven economy. And the, the economy is also gaining strength as it started mass construction activities, obviously, for the FIFA World Cup in, in 2022. If we look at Turkey, uh, we see that due to strained U.S.-Turkey relationship, followed by additional tariffs that were imposed on Turkish steel and aluminium in the U.S., Lira took a downward spiral. Uh, Turkish investors had always relied on cheap foreign debt, uh, most commonly uh, dollar-denominated debt, and they went into a currency crisis. Uh, now, undoubtedly, with uh, a suddenly far weaker Turkish, Turkish Lira, foreign debts are now much harder to be repaid. The interest rate is going to stay high in 2019 in a bid to prevent inflation from rising, uh, which is actually still above uh, 20%. The country might also see uh, an IMF bailout after its local elections in March of this year. Now, if we move to the next slide, we look at the key economic developments in the region, uh, some of them being obviously Iranian sanctions 2.0, Turkish currency crisis, and the OPEC production cut. Now, if we look at the Iranian sanctions, we see that amid strict U.S. sanctions, companies uh, will stay wary of doing business in Iran obviously our fear of losing the U.S. market. Even though the U.S. backed off the nuclear deal, the other JCPOA member countries, including uh, the European Union, China, Japan, and Germany, remain committed uh, to the agreement trying to help companies through a special purpose vehicle for continued trade with Iran in euros and avoid sanctions. Now, looking at the Turkish uh, currency crisis, the, the economy has probably entered a technical recession in Q4 2018, and the economy is headed to a sharper fall in 2019, uh, close to negative 1%. The industrial production falling sharply. Uh, crude oil imports may be the hardest hit, as liquid fuel is most prominent import product uh, in Turkey, and there appears to be a fewer number of companies now offering crude oil to Turkey. Um, <clears throat> however, uh, uh, Turpus, uh, uh, Turkey's sole refiner, still continues uh, crude importation. Looking at OPEC's oil production cut, the agreement, including Russia, to cut 1.2 million uh, uh, barrels a day from their collective production in the first six months of 2019 actually might not be enough to balance the market and support higher prices given a weak, uh, you know, the weak and politically restless global economy, uh, and also the uh, significant rise in U.S. shale production. Uh, we foresee that actually a deeper cut close to 2 million barrels per day is needed through the end of 2019 to help prices rise above the average level of about $50 per barrel. Oil exporters, including Saudi Arabia and the UAE, are likely to cut oil export in 2019, and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has already signaled a drop in oil exports by 1 million barrels in January. I'll now hand back to Naya to take us through the rest of the regional outlooks. Thank you, Craig. So we now come to our last two regions, uh, Europe and Asia-Pacific. Beginning with Europe, as you can see on this particular slide, we have the trend lines for Germany and the UK. So as you can see for Germany, the economy saw quite a sharp dip in its 2018 growth. Being an export powerhouse, Germany is particularly exposed to the ongoing trade tensions, and we expect this factor to continue to be a key restraint to the German economy in 2019. Looking at UK, we're expecting growth to slow down marginally to 1.3% in 2019. Now, this is expected to only happen if a transition period unfolds. What this means is that if a deal is signed and ratified between the UK and the EU parliaments and all goes well and a transition period comes into phase, we expect 1.3% growth. Sorry, 1.3% growth. If, however, a no-deal scenario comes into place, or that's the worst-case scenario, we're expected to see a much sharper slide in growth to about 0.5%, and we'll delve into the details of Brexit and its implications over the next couple of slides. Moving over to the next slide, we have Italy and France. So as you can see, Italy also saw a sharp dip in its 2018 growth to 0.9%. There was a lot of political turmoil happening with Italy in the light of its standoff with the EU over its 2019 budget deficit. 
In fact, a couple of weeks back, the growth prospects for Italy were much weaker in the light of the ongoing standoff. We saw the risk of financial sanctions that could have been imposed against Italy, even possibly a debt and financial crisis in Italy that could uh, spread across larger Europe. But now that that's been resolved, the growth prospects for Italy are much better for 2019. Although we are expecting growth to slow down to 0.6% in the light of weaker external demand and higher interest rates. If, however, the budget standoff hadn't been resolved, we'd be seeing a lot weaker growth than 0.6%. France again saw a lot of unrest on its streets in the year 2018, uh, because of which a fuel tax hike for 2019 has been delayed. Not too much of a growth acceleration expected for 2019. We're only expecting to see 1.6% growth. So the general outlook for Europe is one of that of slowdown. And our last country is Russia on the next slide. Russia, again, is expected to see its growth slow down in the light of factors such as oil production cuts, expected oil production cuts, as well as weaker oil prices and a tax hike that came into effect at the start of this year. So moving over to our next slide that analyzes the key economic developments. Of course, the major one is that of Brexit that has very important ramifications for the UK and Europe at large. So the present state of the situation is that a deal between the UK and the EU have been agreed to, but the UK Parliament shot it down. So over the next couple of weeks, all eyes are obviously going to look, be looking to see whether this particular deal is ratified. Now, if a Brexit deal is ratified before March 2019 of 2019, a two-year transition phase will come into effect until December of 2020. What this essentially means during this transition is that trade and business conditions really remain uh, unchanged. So business would really be business as usual in the sense that uh, no tariffs would be applied and customs checks wouldn't happen. And a very important thing is that this transition phase gives businesses that additional time they require to actually prepare and restructure their supply chains for post-Brexit conditions. If, however, over the next couple of weeks we see that a deal is not uh, finalized and not ratified, there are a couple of scenarios that could throw out. Brexit Day is, of course, on March 29th, uh, 29th of uh, 2019. There could potentially be an extension of the negotiation period if the EU approves. Another, of course, is the no-deal scenario. And a quick summary of why this scenario would have such a damaging impact on the UK economy is because if the UK leaves the EU with no deal, soon after March of 2019, higher tariffs would come into place, financial firms would lose their passporting rights, customs checks would come into place. So it's a whole restructure of trade and supply chain disruptions that we're expecting to see. Now, on the same topic of trade, a very key important development that we saw in the past couple of days on February of the 1st, of course, was the EU-Japan trade deal that came into force, which is, in fact, the largest free trade deal. So we're expected to see that this particular trade deal will give EU exporters a huge push over the next couple of years. Now, what does this mean for the UK in particular? For British exporters, what we're expecting is that if UK remains in the transition period, UK exporters will be able to reap the advantages of uh, free trade with Japan. If it's a no-deal scenario, however, what happens is that UK will not be a party to these benefits. And the other, moving on to the other key economic development, of course, is the Italian budget that we've spoken about. It was really a key risk a couple of week, uh, weeks ago in terms of possible financial sanctions. This has, however, moved over for now, and we're seeing uh, some sort of stabilization in the economy. Moving over to our next section, and our last section, last regional economic analysis for today, in fact, for Asia-Pacific. So this particular slide analyzes the two emerging Asian giants, China and India. Uh, China, as we're seeing, is experiencing a global a growth slowdown, 
But like Arup mentioned, growth is still quite high in the range of around 6% compared to other economies that are growing. So we expect 6.2% growth in 2019. A key risk factor to this growth is the escalation of trade wars. If trade wars intensify, we're expecting growth to slow down to about 5.8%. What we're seeing on the other hand is that the Chinese government is renewing its focus on infrastructure investments in order to shield its economy from slowing growth. Looking at India, India really is quite a bright spot in the global economy. We're expecting growth rates of about 7.2 to 7.3%. Uh, like Arup had mentioned, uh, the demonetization exercise and a new tax regime did slow down growth to about 6.7% early in 2016-17, but we're seeing quite a pickup in the light of factors such as very strong private consumption demand and weaker oil prices this year, of course, are expected to help India, an oil importing country. Moving over to the next slide, we have uh, Japan and Indonesia. Japan, again, is sort of a case similar to Germany being an export powerhouse. The country has been feeling the ripple effects of the trade wars, so it remains quite exposed in 2019. Adding to that are uh, the a tax hike that's planned, but the economy is expected to receive some fiscal support that's expected to counter the negative effects of this tax hike. Indonesia, a very large Southeast Asian economy, is expected to register quite strong growth of about 5.1% uh, in the coming year, largely fueled by very strong domestic demand. Moving on to the next slide, which analyzes key economic developments for the region. Of course, the US-China trade wars and its impact for the Asia-Pacific economy. So there are a lot of some positive and some negative effects and impacts that we're seeing. With respect to the Chinese economy, for example, there is a lot of slowdown that's happening and we are seeing that investments are investors sorry, are either delaying investments into China or completely holding off investments into China given that they could come under these new tariffs. Similarly, companies, uh, countries that supply raw materials to China are also feeling indirect effects. South Korea and a lot of Southeast Asian countries, for example, are feeling the indirect pressures of the trade wars as the Chinese economy slows down. But on the positive side, we are seeing growth opportunities being opened up across countries such as Vietnam and Thailand. In the light of trade wars, investors are increasingly looking at these countries. And the last key economic development is that of capital outflows. So emerging markets at large, especially Asia-Pacific emerging markets, saw a lot of capital outflows taking place in 2018, especially in the light of U.S. interest rate hikes that were drawing back these uh, capital flows. So we saw emerging market central banks sort of going on the defensive and raising their own interest rates in order to shield their economies and their currencies. So right now what we're expecting, especially given that the U.S. is not expected to continue with rate hikes, we're expecting similar steady rates across emerging markets. This could, of course, change if the U.S. monetary policy direction changes. Uh, with that, we come to the end of our regional economic outlook section. I'd like to ask Anna to take us through our poll question for the day. Thank you, Neha. Yes, audience, I have just pushed out our poll question, which reads, what do you view as the biggest economic threat to your business in 2019? Is it trade wars, Brexit, higher interest rates, lower oil prices, or political turmoil? So we'll leave this poll open, and we will reveal the results at the end of the session. Now, I'd like to go ahead and pass the presentation over to, uh, to Craig to continue with the conclusions. Excellent. Thank you very much, Anna. Uh, now, just to conclude with some of the identified growth opportunities uh, across the various regions, uh, the first uh, thing we deal with is obviously Brexit. Uh, there will likely be the enforcement of the Brexit transition to guarantee free movement of workers between the UK and EU uh, until December 2020, uh, with these workers actually then enjoying the right to stay even post-transition. Now, firms in the UK could then prioritize tapping into the, UK, uh, the EU labor pool 
during the transition period, given an unexpected, uh, you know, the expected uptick in EU immigration, and with hiring from the EU likely to become more burdensome, you know, after post-transition, the post-transition period. If you look at the U.S. CMA trade deal, uh, ratification of uh, this trade deal should lead to higher automotive manufacturing in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, this given the requirement for higher regional value creation content for autos, uh, and then with a certain share of content to be generated in high wage areas. With OEMs expected to restructure the supply chains to meet this requirement, the U.S. And, can and Canadian suppliers of parts and components for autos should work with the OEMs to replace restricted supplies uh, from the rest of, of the world. If we look at uh, Saudi Arabia privatization, more than 20 companies are to be privatized in 2019, with prominent companies including uh, the Saline Water Conversion Corporation and the Russ Alcare Power and Desalination Plant, and companies can look to tap into investment opportunities across core sectors such as health, education, and desalination uh, with these privatizations. Looking at China's infrastructure, we again see that China is looking to boost infrastructure investments uh, following weaker infrastructure investment in the first half of 2018. And this is to boost the Chinese economy amidst the, uh, the obvious trade tensions with the US. Uh, private businesses should look to tap into infrastructure investment opportunities across the areas such as energy, transportation, and also with private investment that's, that's been encouraged uh, in, in the country. Uh, look at the next slide. So lastly, I just want to turn to some of the key takeaways uh, from our briefing. Uh, the global economy is expected to enter a period of moderate slowing, as we've said before, 3.5% growth in 2019. Uh, this obviously in contrast to 37 in 2018. Uh, the growth forecast, as we've heard, could potentially see a further decrease to 3.3% if the trade war does intensify. Uh, one of the key risks to the global outlook uh, for 2019 is the uncertainty and the impact of an escalation uh, of the trade war. In 2019, we are likely to see uh, steady interest rates as the US Fed uh, could keep uh, rates steady. And this will obviously spill over to emerging markets uh, who have not uh, reacted to currency speculation and keep their rates steady as well. The trade conditions between the UK and EU should remain largely unchanged if the transition period does run its course. If however a no-deal scenario unfolds, it could be major implications and supply chain disruptions. Thank you. I'll now hand quickly back to Anna to take us through the answers to the poll question. Thank you, Craig. So um, these are the results. I went ahead and stopped the, uh, the poll question, and it looks like 50... 50 Okay, so here's the numbers now. They just changed right now. Okay, so 52% indicate trade wars, 21% indicate Brexit, and it looks like 5% indicate lower oil prices, and lastly, 21% indicate political turmoil. So uh, these are the results of the poll question, what do you view as the biggest economic threat to your business in 2019. And just a, a couple of next steps here, and then we'll start with the Q&A session. So your feedback is very valuable to us. So under the rate, this tab, please provide any feedback, comments, or suggestions on today's presentation. And um, let's go ahead and get started on our, our questions. Now, we do have a lot of questions coming through. We're going to try to answer as many possible live. If for some reason we do not get to your question, we will uh, get back with you. So let's go ahead and start with our first question here. Our first question is, however the American economy is widely believed to be entering a slowdown or even a recession in the near future. The general signals coming out of the markets and the economy itself do not show that. Markets are still active, the job market is strong, and all the indicators seem to show a strong economy. How do you see this situation playing in the U.S.? Is there a chance there will, be not a is there a chance there will not be a recession or is it coming for sure in the next two to three years? Um, thank you, Anna, for the question. So um, our analysis lines up as well in the sense that uh, the U.S. economy did grow very strong in 2018. Uh, 
to a large extent fueled by tax cuts and uh, the actual data in terms of job growth and all of that was really quite strong but towards the end of the year we did see that uh, trade wars started to sort of uh, and other factors started to take a bite off the growth and we're expecting growth to slow down further in 2019. Now with respect to the specific question of whether there is a recession coming for the US in the next two to three years, we don't forecast a recession under our baseline scenario or under the present situation as it as it, it really depends on how uh, scenarios play out. For example, if um, it's an all-out trade war, then we could expect growth to obviously dip to a much larger extent. Similarly, if it's an all-out trade war with the combination of a very long and sustained uh, second government uh, shutdown, there's of course uh, much weaker growth that's expected. So it really depends on the scenarios that play out and if the Fed in fact goes ahead and hikes interest rates, which we don't really see happening at the moment. So it, it depends on the scenarios that play out. Uh, they would really have to be extreme scenarios to pull the U.S. economy into the recession. But right now for 2019, based on current trade talks and based on the way things are going, we don't expect a recession at the moment. Thank you, Neha. And just as a quick reminder, under the Attachments tab, we have, have the um, Global Economic 2019 Outlook. You can uh, click on that and that will take you directly to the, uh, to the report. And uh, some of the, the key questions uh, that we'll uh, go through is what is the outlook for the world in 2019, Brexit, trade wars, and uh, the global economic uh, by regions. So that's under your attachments tab. Now moving on to our next question here. Would you agree that Brazil, Mexico, and Colombia should be the primary investment targets in Latin America for 2019? What are your thoughts on Chile and Peru as investment targets? Uh, thanks. I'll, I'll take that question. Um, if we if we look obviously at Brazil, we see um, you know certain structural issues you know with output gaps in the economy itself. Um, there's also you know a little bit of uncertainty in the economy. Unemployment is not you know it's it's quite high. Um, there's 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 quite a, a bit of uncertainty now with the new president you know facing a little bit of a uphill task uh, you know to to stabilize the economy fiscally. Um, so, so I wouldn't, uh, you know, rate Brazil as as one of the highest ones. Uh, Colombia, on the other hand, is 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 uh, quite a good performer in in Latin America, and we do see quite a bit of investment going into into mining activities uh, in in Colombia at the moment. Um, you know, and there's also been quite a bit of work done fiscal terms in terms of tax reforms. You know, a lot of work by the government. So those are all positive signs. Uh, you know, increasing investor confidence uh, in the country itself. Uh, but obviously, you know, being a, a major oil exporter, uh, that has a major impact on uh, obviously GDP in, in the uh, currency of the, of the economy itself. So, you know, that's the downside factor one has to look at. Interestingly enough, if we look at um, Chile, uh, that's one economy that actually has quite a strong monetary and fiscal uh, policy and, 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 you know, a fairly good regime. They've done quite well in, in past years in terms of, of GDP growth. And also very interesting uh, to look at Chile in terms of obviously mining. They're very much, you know, export-centered uh, economy in terms of, of of mining, as with many of the of the Latin American and African countries. Uh, but their investor confidence, business investor confidence index, actually tracks perfectly to um, copper commodity prices, which is uh, quite interesting for for that economy. So if one does see that the the outlook for copper, you know, uh, prices are looking upward. Uh, then Chile is a potentially a, a country to look at for investment uh, moving forward. Thank you. And um, also to add to that uh, what Craig has said um, with regards to uh, Chile, uh, Frost & Sullivan also undertakes an annual exercise by which uh, we undertake an indexing-based approach to sort of identify the go-to emerging markets for each year. And uh, one of the Chile, in fact, came out uh, at the top for the Latin American region. It was number one. 
so we are having another live webinar on our emerging market index soon. So uh, be really happy if you could dial in for the same. It should give you better understanding of which markets you should be looking at at uh, emerging markets you should be looking at in 2019. Thank you, Neha. Thank you, Craig. Also, I've displayed some contact details for Vignesh. Vignesh is our key account manager, and um, if you would like um, access to a copy of the Frost and Sullivan's 2019 Economic Outlook Report, um, also, we are working on some exciting research on hot economic topics such as Brexit and trade wars. Please, if you want to uh, learn more uh, about the research or engage in a growth strategy dialogue, please do get in touch with Vignesh. His uh, direct telephone number is listed on the slide along with his email address. And with that, I'm going to conclude today's session. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Neha. Thank you, Craig. And uh, do, again, please contact us with any questions or additional feedback. Thank you for your time.